The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike, we've talked ad nauseum about why I'm not a fan. Um, and at the risk of being repetitive, um, I stopped being a Saints fan in 1992. And then when I came into the business, because I'm an OG at this point, back in our day, it wasn't popular to be a fan and be in media. You couldn't be a fan and be in media and maintain your credibility. We had to be objective. We had to be neutral. We had to be impartial, or at least appear that way. And so a 22-year-old kid walking around being a fan, like, no, there was no cheering in the press box back in our day, Michael. Nowadays, you go out, it's, it's, it's part of people's brand to be fans. So that, but I wasn't a fan of the Saints since 1992 because I got tired of them breaking my heart. And I've told that to people. People in New Orleans, they get mad at me until the Saints piss them off and then they understand. But I got tired of them breaking my heart in the playoffs. It only took twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Can't fool me again. You know, it only took twice in the playoffs for me to be like, I'm done, right? And, and I didn't even grow up with bags on my head. I, I didn't grow up with the Aints, Michael. And so, uh, fast forward, I tell people all the time I root for good stories and I root for good people. Um, so I'm not a fan of anybody. But the, but the reason I'm not a fan of any particular teams is, is because I like to protect my peace. I like to protect my mental health. Self-preservation, Michael. Because I cannot, I've tried, I cannot imagine what it must be like to be a Dallas Cowboys fan today. Mm. Like, I, like mm. what, the, the amount of, of, of torture, you know, the amount of masochism that goes on when it comes to being a Cowboys fan, to put yourself through this time and time again, and I'm not here to clown. Enough people are going to clown or have been clowning the Cowboys and their fans since last night. I come in peace, and I come to extend my deepest sympathies and condolences and actually admiration, because I don't know how you do it to yourselves. I don't know how you do it, because the Cowboys fans have to have it the worst. They have to have it the worst, because they can't hide. They're not irrelevant. To me, they are, and I'll get to this in a second. To me, the Cowboys are irrelevant, Henceforth, now, and forevermore. <laughs> They're irrelevant to me. But I'll come back. It's not about me right now. It's about the fans. Their team right. is not irrelevant. It's America's team, for crying out loud. It's the most valuable franchise in the NFL and one of the most valuable franchises in all of, all of sports, globally. Definitely North American professional sports. So 
They have to suffer these indignities in full view. Like, nobody, like everybody is checking for the Cowboys, whether they root for them or not, for reasons such as yesterday. And all I know, Michael, is I, if I were a fan, if I were a fan, I would rather my team be a laughing stock than a sick joke. Let me say that again. I'd rather be a laughing stock than a sick joke. Because for it to happen to the stat that blew my mind yesterday, first team in NFL history with three consecutive seasons of 12 wins or more without a championship game to show for it, without a Ooh. conference championship game to show for it. Ooh. It's like, why do you do this to yourselves? Like, I'm, I, may, maybe I'm just soft and can't take it, but like, it's self-inflicted. Why do, you, why do you invest emotionally in something, in an entity that is going to disappoint you in a way that no other franchise disappoints? We could talk about chargering all we want. We could talk about, I used to say this, you know, why must the Browns, Brown so Brown? That was before Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. We could talk about all these franchises that are the, you know, that are the Lucy, uh, you know, the, the Lucy to Charlie Brown holding the football. You know what I mean? Like, we could talk about those, those franchises, the Falcons. We could talk about 28 to 3 all we want. None of those franchises, none of them, build up their fans to let them down the way the Dallas Cowboys do. It's, and, and I feel sorry for them today. I feel sorry for Cowboys fans because nobody deserves this. Nobody deserves this. Nobody deserves to have a team that looked unbeatable at home get the brakes beat off them by the seventh seed. <laughs> Nobody deserves to have a quarterback have the first ever perfect passer rating in his playoff debut at the expense of your team. This is, you can't make this shit up. You cannot, there, there is no script. I don't want to see any more script commercials. Uh, there are no scripts for this. Script. There are no, not for this. This is torture. This is inhumane. This should be illegal. Like, if this is, this should be illegal in some, certain states. Like, to get, I, I don't want to go too far. But the act, <laughs> let's just say the physical act, let's say the physical act that the Cowboys are committing on their fans, okay, I'll just leave it at that, yeah. once upon a time was illegal in a lot of places, probably still is, okay, okay, like, it's just, I'm, I'm sorry, how do they do it, Michael? How do, how do these fans put up with this? Man, you put a, you put a lot out there, and I can't disagree with any of it. I think, I think you're looking for the words from the prophet Martin Luther King Jr. who once said, if I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. But the Cowboys can't do either. <laughs> they can't do great things and they can't do small things in a great way. And I think part of the reason, Michael, is what you said. They are. They are. I'll give them all the credit. They put the work in long before Jerry Jones got here. You know, Tech Schramm, Gil Brandt, Tom Landry, all those guys were instrumental in building the foundation and making the Cowboys America's team. They did things that other franchises weren't willing to do. Oh, we'll play a game on Thanksgiving. What do you mean? Oh, we'll change up our uniforms. We'll have alternate uniforms. We'll do all these things. 
Uh, we're excited about it. Oh yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be the guinea pig for what the NFL wants to do. And I think it caught on, and they played an exciting brand of ball, and they won. Uh, if they didn't win Super Bowls, they were always in contention. Uh, there was a guy yeah. uh, in our neighbor. There was a guy in our neighborhood, Michael. We used to call him Uncle Jerome. So Uncle Jerome, in, in the middle of the middle of the country in Ohio, had no reason to be a Cowboys fan. He never lived in Texas. He wasn't a fan of the NFC East. Anything mm-hmm. just as a Cowboys mm-hmm. fan, and he mm-hmm. always got excited about the Cowboys. His line about them was, "It's like Uncle Jerome, why you like the Cowboys so much?" Ooh, even when they lose, it's exciting. He always said that. Even when they lose, it's exciting. So they got fans all around the country, but I think part of their mystique gets to their players. And I maybe that sounds like I'm making excuses for the players, but they are not equipped to carry the crown that's on their head. It's too heavy for them. They ain't that. They can't live up to the scrutiny. I knew it. Michael, from afar, I could see it in their eyes yesterday in the first quarter when the Packers got the got opening. They took the kickoff, went down the field, and scored. Nothing. Then all of a sudden, it's 14 zip, and I could see it in their eyes. It was too much. It was too much for them. I, I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of weight. To it's say, a lot of weight. It. it it is. It is. It's way. Is that choking? Is that the same as being the chokers? I don't think that really encapsulates it. Is it choking or is it you've been promoted to a spotlight, to a level of scrutiny that maybe your experience, your promotion kind of has outpaced your experience? Your promotion mm-hmm. has kind of outpaced your ability? Mm-hmm. And it's too much for you. Like we shouldn't have been surprised that they shouldn't have been as heavily no, 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 favored was, as they were. No, 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 no. That was shocking, and that we disagree. That yes, they should have. The way this team played at home in the regular wow. season against a oh. team full of first and second year players with a first time starting quarterback, like the old adage of like, oh, you kind of got to go through it to get to it. And, you know, it, it, you know, you, you break, you get your breakthrough, all the disappointment, all the experience that many of the Cowboys, starting with Dak Prescott, bring to the playoffs or brought to the playoffs. There's no way like losing to the Packers is one thing. The Packers beating the shit out of them. No way <laughs> that only the Cowboys and ironically, the Cowboys coached by former Packers coach Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I mean, we look at it from that way. If you, if you look at it from the person of the Cowboys will invent new and creative and unseen ways to fuck it up. Yes, we should not have been surprised. But based on the way the Cowboys played this year, particularly at AT&T and based on who they were playing, a Packers team that even, I told you last week, I invoked the old cliche about the Packers having no F's to give. Right? right? I talked about teams right. that you did not want, the proverbial team you did not want to see was the Packers, okay? Because they didn't know any better. They were, you know, that old young team that's ahead of schedule. I don't know how many air quotes I can fit in one comment. Ahead of schedule, yeah. right? But even I didn't see that coming. By the way, did I tell you that I was a Cowboys fan? So in high school, like so I've been 13 you years were? old. So Randall Cunningham and the Eagles come into the Superdome. 
and they beat the Cowboys. Oh, excuse me, they beat the Saints. It was 20 to 3 at halftime. Saints had won a division at 12 and 4 that year, I believe. I think they won a division. They were 12 and 4 at a home playoff game, 1992. They lead in 20 to 3 at halftime. They lose 36 to 20. I said never again. Around that same time, though, the Cowboys were on the come up. So in 88, they drafted Irvin. In 89, they hired Jimmy Johnson and drafted Troy Aikman. I love the way Troy Aikman would drop back at UCLA, like straight drop back. I, I, I love Troy Aikman, right? I was a quarterback in high school. Quarterback in high school. Um, that was my position. I didn't play. That was my position designation. Anyway, you played. You played. You, beat, you, you beat Eli Manning. I did. That was, you know, I had my, I had my moments. Emphasis on moments. It, it, like, there's only a few of them. Um, and then, in, uh, so 89, they, uh, they draft uh, Troy Aikman. Uh, 90, they draft Emmett Smith. And in 91, I remember watching Thursday Night Football on TNT. Okay? And I watched Michael Irvin give Deion Sanders the business for like 160-something yards on nothing but slant routes. Alright? Um, and so, I'm watching this, and I become a Cowboys fan, and next year they win the Super Bowl, and then they obviously went back-to-back, and then three and four years. So, in high school, I was actually a Cowboys fan after I, after I left the Saints. You know, I, I wouldn't say I jumped on the Cowboys bandwagon so much as I, you know, kind of got in on early. I got, I, you know, I got, in, I got in early. But something you were saying about just them being America's team struck me. It's like, is this just like the universe evening things out? They were so good and so competitive and so, you know, so dominant for so long. Is this just kind of like, yeah, now you got to see how the other half lives and, and you'll never get back to a, so much of the NFC championship game for the next several decades. Like it's, just, it, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing that one organization can subject their fan base to this level of torture. And it, 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 it never, it never fails. It's, you can set your watch by it at this point. Okay. You know who they are. I'm trying to think of there's not an NFL equivalent to what they do because of this guy right here, uh, Jerry Jones. There's nobody like Jerry Jones, quite like Jerry Jones. I know Al Davis was the owner slash general manager. And I guess, you know, Mike Brown used to be, but he's kind of turned over that some of that personnel power to, uh, to others, um, to Duke Tobin and others. But Jerry Jones, you know who Jerry Jones is? The equivalent is not in baseball, uh, not in football, it's in baseball. Uh, rest in peace, George Steinbrenner. It's George Steinbrenner with the Yankees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like he was, mm -hmm. He'd have a general manager, but it was always, whenever they'd win, it would say, what does George think? Whenever they lose right. in the playoffs, what does George think? And George is a constant presence at all times. He's not, uh, he's not being seen and, 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 and silent. He's being seen and he's being heard. And Jerry Jones is too. Once again, I, it, it sounds like I'm making excuses for the Cowboys players, but no, just the atmosphere no. is, but the atmosphere is there. It's unusual just to have this hovering presence. Like who works well? Who thrives in that environment? I guess the Yankees, uh, the Steinbrenner well, Yankees but, but, but did. But here's the problem, Michael. But, but, they, but after but a while, they it's do. just like, it's but, but this, Here's the problem. But they but don't. They, do. they don't. Well, not they in don't. the playoffs. Not when well, the chips are down, but no, it, no, you're right. But it's but it, it's the extremes. It's just like you would think that they would falter in the regular season. I mean, they they played pressure 
fill games in a regular season, certainly not to the level of the playoffs. It, it's to go from the number two seed and be and win 12 win 12 games every year. I mean, you're right. You're right. I guess what I'm saying is yeah. well, how do they how do they manage to tune all the noise out that you're talking about the rest of the time and they all seem to understand it. They all seem to acknowledge it. They know it's there. It's not subconscious. It's not beneath the surface. Many of them embrace it. And in some cases, Micah Parsons, like utilize that platform to grow their own individual brands. Like they don't run from it is what is what is what's confusing to me. They embrace it and they thrive in it. But just like you said at the beginning of the game, when they got hit by that first Packers punch, you could tell that they were shook. Ain't no such thing as ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Um, I'll get to Detroit in a second, um, even though that's mob deep. But I'll get to eight mile in a second. Um, I like it. So for so for me, Michael, for me, I mean it. Unless and until I see Jerry Jones or any member of the Dallas Cowboys clutching the Lombardi Trophy in February, I will no longer. I vow. I vow to no longer discuss the Dallas Cowboys within the context of contenders. I don't care if they win every game. Remember when they won their first two games, like 100 to 20 or some shit against the two New York teams or whatever? It's like, I, I, I will never talk about them in a manner that suggests that they are capable of winning the Super Bowl ever again. Ever, I will not. Dis- I will discuss them from a fantasy football perspective because they put up pretty stats. Ceedee Lamb, wide receiver one. Dak Prescott wins you a lot of games. Tony Pollard last year. You know, if you play the Cowboys defense, they'll win you some games. From a fantasy perspective, they are invaluable. From a reality perspective, they cannot be counted on. I would. Can't you know, be leads. I, Can't I be remember, trusted. I remember. I remember the time you uh you used rearview mirror in a lead at the Boston Globe. I remember Peter May's lead from the Boston Globe uh, when the Blazers collapsed against the Lakers. Okay, what year was that? Uh, the Kobe Shaq the dunk. What was year it, was that? Was it ninety nine or two thousand? Two thousand. Maybe it was two thousand. Yeah, I'm getting old. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere I'm around two thousand. Yeah. Now recall ain't what it used to be, but I remember this. I remember the lead in the Boston Globe was the best team that money could buy was Confederate currency when it came time to be counted. I, I remember that lead. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. That's the Dallas Cowboys. They are not worth it. They're not worth a damn when it's time to be counted. They're worthless. And it's, it's really disappointing given the standard that they set for themselves and the expectations that they set for themselves in the regular season. So I'm never talking about the contenders again. They are not in the conversation ever again, Michael. I will not. I will not. I don't care. They can go 17 and 0. They can run roughshod through the rest of the NFL, and I have to see them win the Super Bowl to believe that they can. I have to see it. All right. Well, before you move on from them, though. No, no, no. I don't want this to be one of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want this to be one of those uh, one of those corporate emails. You know those corporate emails you get uh, where the boss sends out an email. To everybody, all, and it's really meant for like three people, and you know who they are. But everybody got to <laughs> yeah. get it. Everybody got to get mm-hmm. it. And, you know, we got to start doing this. And like, I don't do that. Oh, he's talking about. Oh, he's talking about peanut. Okay, why not just send a private email to peanut and right. leave the rest don't of us alone? To whom it may okay. concern. Okay, hey, hey, listen. Yeah. What are they talking about? 
Now, before we talk about the Dallas Cowboys, you don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, let's zoom in a little bit more because Dak Prescott was getting a lot of love. Oh, he's an elite quarterback. He's the MVP. Oh, for me, Lamar might get it. I, but said, Dak it was, I said he was it, different. I said there was something okay. different about Dak that Prescott this year. Okay. No. 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 You don't trust and, him now. And, and, no, and I and I, I tried to trust him this year. So okay, so this is so thank you because what I, the next thing I was gonna get to is like we're recording this at ten o'clock Eastern, ten o'clock Eastern. I don't. So yesterday, as the blowout was taking place, and certainly after the game last night, there were plenty of people already talking, even even going into the game. Because remember last week we talked about Jerry Jones saying, "Hey, you know," and he trying to clean up on our six. Jerry Jones talked about before the game. Oh, we'll see what happens week to week when it comes to Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff. Then he said, oh, no, I, I couldn't be happier with Mike McCarthy. But there was so much rampant speculation about Mike McCarthy having to advance in the playoffs, not being able to survive, you know, an early, an early round exit, and specifically Bill Belichick. You, I think you and I even talked about that relationship, how whereas on the surface, it may not seem like a match between Bill Belichick and uh, Jerry Jones and how, how you know how, how a guy like Belichick who's so you know averse to the press and and uh, and doesn't uh, you know doesn't like the spotlight and, and, and certainly doesn't want to meddle some owner who's had all his personnel power for all these years. Why would he work well with Jerry Jones? Well come to find out as you know that they have a long-standing relationship and admiration for each other, right? So the Bel so look it's again it's 10 a.m. 10:30 a.m. Eastern. While we having this conversation on Monday, it's going down. I, I, it's I going down. I don't wish a I don't wish a firing on anybody. But by and the I time this either. gets posted, by the time this gets posted to YouTube, by the time this yeah. podcast gets published, wherever you get your podcast, by the time this airs on Peacock, Mike McCarthy may already be gone. Like I, I'd be shocked if Jerry Jones took his time deciding to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Like you, Mike, Mike McCarthy is a good coach. He's not the coach to get you where you want to go. Okay, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. He's not the quarterback to get you where you want to go. So for all the Except reasons McCarthy's you talked about, it, Michael, though. he ain't done it here. But for all the reasons you talked about, Michael, I don't know that just add Belichick is the answer. I don't know that Bill Belichick. Because to me, how many times can you watch it? How, how many times can you watch a team implode? How can you watch an organization implode from top to bottom in the playoffs and not decide just to blow it up? The idea that Bill Belichick will walk through that door and he and he alone is the missing ingredient. It's more than Mike McCarthy. It's Dak Prescott. It's more than Dak Prescott. That was a complete and total failure on the part of every aspect of the organization. Giannis Antetokounmpo would say that the equipment guy failed. He'd say that they didn't, they didn't wash the jerseys well enough. Like everybody is accountable for what happened yesterday. And so the idea of bringing in Bill Belichick and saying, oh, all they need is a different voice and a different coach and different leadership. I don't know that it stops there. I think they need a different quarterback. And lastly, Michael, before I pass it to you, a different quarterback and different players. Lastly, before I pass it to you, and it's just, this isn't just exclusive to the Cowboys. This is the Eagles where Nick Sirianni's on the hot seat. This is any other franchise. Belichick is not bringing Brady with him. 
I believe that a lot of teams are setting themselves up for disappointment. And, and make no mistake, that is not to suggest that Bill Belichick is simply a product of Tom Brady. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying right. it was all Brady. That, not for you, this for the people in the back. I'm not saying it was right. all Brady what they did. I'm not saying he is not a good coach on his own. I'm not saying Brady could have won with anyone else other than Bill Belichick the way that he did. I'm saying that Belichick and Brady made the magic in New England. And if you think that that fairy dust or that pixie dust is going to transfer from Foxborough to AT&T Stadium or to Mercedes-Benz Stadium or to the link, I think you're mistaken. I don't think it's that easy. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you think Bill Belichick will snap his fingers and get you over the hump that you think you will. Well, I, you know, I, I hear you. I know you. I know you're not saying it was. It, you know, it was just all Brady. I know you. I know you're not saying that. Just like it's not but all just like McCarthy. It, okay, but let me just say, with with Belichick and Brady, uh, they were the foundational. They were the foundational pieces of it. Let's say it's a bookend. I look at it as bookends. One bookend was uh, Bill Belichick. The other bookend was Tom Brady, and he had a lot of stuff in between that made it work. Tom Brady was able to take his his side of the book in and that thing traveled because he got more support in Tampa and got a seventh ring. Mm-hmm. I think Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, but with support can take especially in Dallas. Now I don't know if Dallas is a fit for him. I actually think he's going to Atlanta, but I could be wrong. But mm-hmm. if he goes to Dallas, one, I, I think that's a good situation for him. Number one, let's just start here. Before we talk, 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 start talking about personnel and who's going to be his quarterback, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick has been in more playoff games, has been in and won more playoff games than yeah. anybody. Yep. So the yep. moment is not too big for him. He just knows how to approach playoff games. He just, mm-hmm. he, he's got, he's psychologically, he's sure. at peace. He's at home Absolutely. in those situations, Absolutely. and he knows how to communicate so can that I interject? to his players. Can I interject? Can yeah, I interject? And I'm going yep. right, I'm, I'm I'm to I'm redirect mm-hmm. it right back to you. And I know you're not finished, but are you saying then that, Bill, which we all would agree, that Bill Belichick, even though Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl, Bill Belichick will be an upgrade over Mike McCarthy and will be able to handle yes. the pressures. Okay, so we, we agree on that. So is it, So my question to you is, is it simply a matter like was yesterday all on Mike McCarthy? It's not all on Mike McCarthy. I agree with you. It's not all on him, but tone setting is important. Your mm-hmm. leader has to set a tone. Everybody else follows that. And if everybody else is not following the lead dog, then that is a problem in, in and of itself that oh, we ain't following him. We do our own thing. So I think you got to set the tone as a head coach. That's one. The other thing is Belichick is a problem solver. Now he got himself into uh, he got himself in su- into such a deep problem in New England where he couldn't solve that. He had to go because he created such a mess. He can't clean that up anymore. We need somebody else to clean up the mess that you made. But with a team like the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, he could see. see I think part of the reason part of the problem with them. It's not just Mike McCarthy, they gave up 48 yesterday, and I know it had pick six. You're right. Gave up 48. Dan right. Quinn supposed to be a head coach in waiting. Hey, man, what, were, what was your defense doing? Your defense had no clue. I think 
the problem with Dan Quinn's defenses and Mike McCarthy's offenses is that sometimes they are we do what we do kind of teams. And that's mm-hmm, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Be- Belichick doesn't believe in that. We no. do what we do. Sometimes you got to do right. something different when you're facing a quarterback who down the stretch had 18 touchdown passes, one interception, led his team to a six and two record, got that number mm-hmm. seven seed, mm-hmm. and, and 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 survived some of the. They, I think they had a three or four game losing streak in the middle of the season. They survived yeah. that, and then they became one of the hottest teams in football. You can't be a do what we do kind of team, especially facing. A coach who's got a pretty good winning percentage himself. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's all on McCarthy, but I think McCarthy is guilty because he did not set the proper tone. I could see him yesterday. He had no composure. I hate to get into body language, but he had no composure on the sideline. He was freaking out. <laughs> he was freaking out, Mike. And the team was, too. I think Belichick is the type of coach, not the only one, but the type of coach who can take what they have, kind of reposition it a little bit, tweak it, and get them over the top. At least get them to the NFC Championship game, which they haven't been to in this century. I think it's culture. I think everything you talked about, Michael, everything you it, you had the words, but it almost sounded like you couldn't quite put your finger on it, but you had different theories. Is that fair? It was like, what is yeah. it? Because you said, you said, oh, I don't mean to seem like I'm making excuses for the players. I think the word is culture, I think. And I just don't know that the culture that Bill Belichick created in New England is going to transfer as easily to Dallas or Philadelphia. And by as easily, I mean where he and he alone can fix it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Oh my God. I, that's so funny. That's so funny that you caught that. I was like, ooh, wait a minute. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, uh, and, I, and, and, I, and if y'all didn't catch it, it's fine. We ain't going to explain it. Yeah. Y'all didn't catch it? Good. Good. I'm glad I, you I did. Don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not so certain. And that's less about Belichick. Again, less about Belichick and what he, but it's more about what he and Brady, how special. And, and, and you know, Mike, that's Mike Vrabel. <laughs> it's not like this everywhere. It's like, you know, how special and unique that was, the culture and the environment that they thrived under. I don't know that this is easily transferable as one thinks. It's, it's not like Bill Parcells didn't work for, for Jerry Jones. You know, it's, it, it's not like he hasn't had, and just the word talent. Don't tell me about talent ever again when it comes to this team. Don't even, I don't want, I don't want to hear nothing about their talent. I don't want to hear jack shit about their talent. Because, I, and, and again, this was not, a gang up on Shelby Day, bash the Cowboys, make fun of the Cowboys. This is my heart goes out, and I and I respect the people who are riding with them, but the people who year in and year because because Cowboys fans. The other part about it is they talk so much shit, like and they put on for their team <laughs> like they just won it. It's crazy. Right. Like Brown, right. like Browns fans don't walk around with their chest poking out. You know, like Falcons fans they don't walk like none of these people walk around with their chest poking out. Like you have so many Cowboys fans who are flexing off of stuff that their parents told them about. They're, they are flexing off of stuff that they never saw, that they never experienced. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yo, I'm a Cowboys fan, right? Because right? my dad was a Cowboys fan. Oh, your dad was the last person to see him in the championship game. It's just cr- <laughs> And so they bring, a lot right. of the, they bring a lot of the stuff on themselves, but it's just, I, nonetheless, 
God bless you. And I hope that you are as committed to other things in your life as you are to this disappointing football team, because that is a, that is a character trait. If you can stick with these Cowboys through thick and thin the way that you do, it says something about you and I admire it. I wish I had that. I wish I had that kind of loyalty in me. I'm not that loyal to somebody that consistently lets me down. I would have moved on. I would have just, I would have found something else to do myself. You know, I just, it's unbelievable. Before we, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up on this game though. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the winning team. Because of course, that's the Cowboys, right? Win or lose, they're the story. But the Green Bay Packers, all of y'all, and y'all know who y'all are. Y'all owe uh, Brian okay, Gutekunst okay. an apology. Uh, y'all owe Brian Gutekunst an apology. Y'all owe that, man, because... They, come on, come on. Oh, is that, I don't, does it apply to you? I don't, I don't even know. Does oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it applied to me. Oh, oh it applies to me. Oh, okay. Oh, it applies this was to all, me. This, this, was, this was an all email that you were just talking about. This was, this was, yeah, this yeah. was all of y'all. So, so whoever, to whom it may concern, okay, this organization is an organization that has, that knows what it is doing when it comes to drafting and developing and specifically mm. drafting and developing quarterbacks. Even though I know technically they did not draft Brett Favre, but they developed Brett Favre. So this organization came under a lot of fire because their former quarterback used his bully pulpit to act as though the organization was holding him back. And that yep. the organization didn't want, they, they, they didn't take his personnel, like I'm trying to remember, this is a couple of years ago, his personnel recommendations Mm -hmm. Seriously enough, he didn't wield the authority that he wanted to wield. And there were a lot of people that were critical of of, uh, of Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst for running Aaron Rodgers out of town. Or even before then, oh, why don't they draft first round receivers? Here we go. Why don't they draft first round receivers? Why why are they never giving their quarterbacks enough help? How many receivers were cooking the Dallas Cowboys yesterday? All of them. They took turns doing it. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, and they have built a team that is here for the long haul. Hell, they may be in the playoffs longer than we expected, because even though they're going to San Francisco to see the 49ers, I ain't taking Uh-oh. that for granted. I'm not taking that for granted. I'm not sitting up. I'm not sitting up here saying the 49ers got it in the bag. Of course, I think the 49ers will win it, but I'd be a fool to overlook the Packers again. But Ooh. that's for another day. That's for another day. But in the okay, meantime, okay, right. give Brian Gutekunst and hit that, give that man his flowers. Give that organization their flowers. Who's give the best quarterback the on the field in that game? Who's the best quarterback <laughs> on the field in that San Francisco uh, Green Bay game? Stop, stop, stop trolling. You know the answer to that. Stop trolling. Um, I don't, give, I don't give, know what's the answer. I don't give, know. Give Matt LaFleur his flowers. You know, a lot of people thought he was, he, he was uh, Aaron Rodgers' little puppet. And Aaron Rodgers was the only, was was the reason they were they were doing what they're doing. Like, what a remarkable coaching job! What a remarkable win for that organization that has come under a lot of fire in recent years. But his, even historically, Favre bitched about the same stuff as though they weren't drafting at all. Like, oh, they never gave Favre a first round receiver. Never gave Aaron Rodgers a first round receiver. You know what they gave him? Defenses. You know what they gave him? Running games. You know what they gave him? An offensive line. You know what they gave him? Young receivers that they developed into. Devontae Adams, or even go if you want to go back, Donald Driver, okay, and Devontae Adams, and and Jordy Nelson, and Randall Cobb, and now it's 
Christian Watson and Bo Melton and Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dobbs. Mm. It's like, wow. Uh, who cares Crushing. what round they're drafting in? They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Apologize. Apologize to Melo Five and apologize to Brian Gutekunst. That's right. Hey, I'm, listen, saying in, I, I'm saying in general. But, but, in but general. I need to. I need to because I was right there. Like, I, a lot of those. I'm uh, keeping receipts on on their behalf. A lot of those. A lot of those comments you put out there. I I, I recognize them. I recognize them. Is there? A, is there an echo in here? There's an echo. I, I'm telling you. I, I have said. I have said some of those things. But I got to tell you, now we talked about it before. I think we talked about it last week. Well, with the Steelers, it may have been on the air, off the air, whatever. It all kind of blurs together, but it blends. With the Steelers and their coaches, mm-hmm, like they take mm-hmm. a backseat to nobody. I just don't think there's anybody who can match Noel to Coward to Tomlin. But with the Packers, I know they haven't won their six Super Bowls like Tom Brady by himself in New England and seven overall. I know they haven't done that, but you're talking about Favre to Rogers to, to Jordan love now. I mean, that, that is an organizational vision. That is, that's not just luck. They know what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. It's not just the quarterback starts with the quarterback, but just their whole philosophy. They don't go out and they don't, uh, you know, spend $125 million in free agency. They're not trying to win in free agency right, for a right. long time. They've they have tried. They have believed in the draft and developing their guys. Yep. They have missed some. They've missed some big ones. Sure. But over the years, uh, to the profit again, the drumbeat, <laughs> the <laughs> drumbeat for righteousness has been there for the Green Bay Packers. They've done a really good job of, of drafting like second and third round picks. So, Props to the Packers. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. Uh, honestly, I think San Francisco will probably handle them uh, handily. <laughs> They'll take care of them. But I, I'm just impressed with what they did going on the road and taking down this Cowboys team. The way the way they jumped them was impressive. Right. But they didn't. They didn't act like a team that was surprised. It's like we may have been surprised. You know, they may not have known any better. Again, I said I said earlier, like they're a team that you know you don't want to play because they're ahead of schedule. Even though it's just who sets that schedule? Me, you know what I mean? Uh, or you know, uh, or they're just happy. To, they weren't just happy to be there, and they weren't like, oh man, we got like you, they came in from the jump, realizing that they could play with anybody. And if you are a fan, keeping with this theme, if you are a fan of the Green Bay Packers today, while the country is trying to figure out what the hell just happened to the Dallas Cowboys. You're sitting up there feeling like, wow, this was a glimpse into our future. We have another quarterback. We're not going to have to go through quarterback purgatory the way so many other organizations go, to your, to, uh, to yep. your point. The, the Colts were fortunate to go from Manning to Luck, and they've been searching ever since. They got a young guy who's got chemistry. Nobody in NFL history has more production out of first and second year receivers in this team. This is one of the youngest teams in the playoffs in recent memory yeah. in terms of this roster. So it's like, if you're a fan of the Packers, you, you're you waking up in Green Bay, Wisconsin today, or, or anywhere for that matter. Not that the, Packers, the fans are only in Green Bay. But the sun is, I don't even know what the weather is in Green Bay, but I know it's the sun is shining bright on this organization right now. Oh, you know and what it, the weather it, what is a, in what, Green what, Bay. What a, <laughs> I know. But what a great feeling that must be. That's the other side of it. The other side of being a fan you know, just to close out this portion of the conversation is like 
there's the torture and there's the pain, and there's the suffering that goes with being a fan, but then there's the hope that comes with having a young quarterback and having everything ahead of you. And even in this playoffs, playing with house money. Because like win or lose against San Francisco, it's like, yo, we just getting started, say, says Packer Nation. That that feeling as a fan, mm. there's there's almost nothing like it except for being a champion. Because there's like being a champion, and then there's the, the possibility of the thing. It's like it's like Darius Love Hall and romance. The Packers are about the possibility of the thing right now. Mm. Oh, you like that, huh? I, I did, I left, I I did like that. I was like, I was like, you said it all right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you cool. Said, I was all like, right. okay, yeah, you got it. You got it. That's enough. No, no, okay, I, I appreciate it. I also appreciate how, without fail, every MLK day, you look like you about to march on Washington or across the Edmund Pettus Bridge or something. Like, you look, you look right. like you about to put it on the line. Okay? <laughs> every MLK day. I love it. I, I I appreciate that with the pen and everything. That's right. Hey, shout out, shout out to the greatest, the prophet of love, MLK. You t- I told you, should be in the Bible. Said, letter from letter Birmingham, from Birmingham jail. jail should be in the Bible. You, I, I quote that all the time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I, qu- I quote you saying that all the time. We play next Sunday back here at home, guys. Yeah. So look, we got the winner of Tampa and Philly, which is tomorrow. We'll be here at 3 o'clock back at Ford Field because you got earned it. Dude, how electric was it out there? Yeah. I'm telling you what, it doesn't get any better. It's everything you dream of and then more. All right, that's outstanding work. I got two game balls. All right, number one, listen, when you when you come in three years ago, like me and this guy did, and you had a vision and you start working together and you've got an idea how you want to build it and the type of players you're looking for and how you want to go top to bottom, offense, defense, special teams, and you're in f***ing lockstep. You're in f***ing lockstep. I'm telling you guys, it's a shitty business. It ain't always perfect, but we, but we do a pretty good job. Baby. Right. But without this f***ing guy right here, man, Brad Holmes. Yeah. 
love every single person in this room, man. We were intentional on being about grit, all right, and earning it. I love everybody in here, man. We went through darkness and it shaped us, all right? It shaped us for this moment. I love y'all, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay, I, I just say it like this. All right. Hey, you're good enough for Detroit. Hey, hey, I love and appreciate you guys more than you know. I promise you that. I love you guys so much. This is just the beginning, boys. This is just the beginning. We got three more of these here next here. week at home at our place against whoever the wants to come in here. Let's go. Win on three, one, two, three. Win. Um, hey man, um, we just got our floors redone, so it's a little dusty in my house right now, so you have to excuse oh. me. Oh, my, it's Woo. a little dusty. Oh, man. Oh, oh love it. It's the stories, man. That. It's the stories. We root for the stories. We are fans of good stories. This is a great story. There's no better collective story than the Detroit Lions. There's no better individual story than Jared Goff. Who among us has not been discarded, personally or professionally, for what someone believed was better? You know, who, uh, who, who among us has not been counted out but the city of Detroit? Oh, my God. Mm. Axel Foley, Dr. Detroit, Motown. <laughs> that, everything associated with the city of Detroit right now. I am just, I'm going to watch Beverly Hills Cop, all three of them. You know, Axel F is coming out soon. I mean, just all things Detroit right now. You know, Mumford High, 8 Mile. I'm going to watch 8 Mile. Like, I am, I am putting, like, what up, though? What up, though? And, and I'm, I'm telling everybody that for the next week because, as everybody should know by now, because we saw that vision, Michael. We saw the vision. We saw the, the vision. The official team. That they're the official team of Brother from Another. We saw that vision that Dan Campbell was talking about. And I just think back to that initial biting kneecaps press conference and the national response to that. I think about how the trade for Jared Goff, like how Jared Goff was viewed as just a throw-in. I think about this year's draft. I'm old enough to remember this past year's draft. Why are you taking a running back in the top 12? You know, why are you taking Sam Laporta instead of some of the other marquee tight ends that are still on the board. I look at him now. Like look at him now. Like this is such a heartwarming feel good story and more important a damn good football team built for playoff oh. football. Mike man like this team and we know the stats. Okay, they've never been to the Super Bowl. Detroit has never appeared in the Super Bowl. Last time they won a championship was in the 50s. The last time they won a, a playoff game before last night was in the 90, 1991. So there's so many. You talked earlier about the punchlines. You'd rather be, uh, you'd rather be, uh, what was it? Rather, you'd rather be a punchline. I'd rather be a, 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 a laughing stock than a sick joke. joke. The Lions historically have been a laughing stock. The Cowboys are a sick been, joke. They've, they've been, been all a laughing of stock, yes. Yeah. They've been a laughing stock. They've been a sick joke. They've been irrelevant. They've been a, the example of of what you don't want to be. 
And so, like, all the, all the things that... They were 0-16. They were the first 0-16. They were the first defeated team. They were the first defeated team in NFL history. Yes. But, you know, listen, that, but the, the Lions are the example. There's so many things which you just said of uh, being dismissed because that, that was Jared Goff's story. And not only that, it was Jared Goff coming to Detroit, but it was Brad Holmes making a deal with his boss, with his former mm-hmm. boss. With Les Snead, yeah. So it was almost like, you know, Les Snead, you're going to, you know, Brad Holmes, you're going to Detroit, and this is one of the first deals that you're going to make. And generally, when you make a deal, when you're new to the job and you're making a deal with the boss who's experienced at the job, you usually lose on that end. And it really worked out for both teams. Uh, Stafford got himself a Super Bowl with the Rams. They got what they wanted. And Detroit, as Dan Campbell said there, Detroit got what it wanted in Jared Goff. I, I don't think they knew that in year one. It was like he's a bridge guy and you're looking to replace Goff. But the more they saw him, the more he connected with his teammates. He grew from that experience. He grew from the dismissal. Absolutely. That's a word for yes. somebody, right? Hey, you get dismissed, you get discarded, and you think you're down, and you think it's never going to get better for you, but there was growth. You know, He's you a know different what I like quarterback. You know what I like to say? You weren't rejected, right. you were redirected. You weren't, you yeah. weren't rejected, you were redirected. That's, that's, and for the, that's and what I like to say. And for the, for the whole franchise, for the whole franchise, the way they built themselves up, freedom is never voluntarily given up by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed MLK again. Come on now. They they had a vision. Dan Campbell is right. They did have a vision for what they wanted to do. And if you ever hear Brad Holmes talk about Campbell, that is so genuine. What you saw there in that locker room, that's how he talks mm-hmm. about him. I remember talking to uh, Holmes after their first year. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, he said, he's the right guy. The way, not only the way he coaches the team, but the way he interacts with people, the way he interacts with everybody in the franchise. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, he knows how to treat people. He knows the right thing to say to everybody. And so I'm, I'm just happy for him. I don't know how far they're going to go, uh, whether it's Tampa or Philly going into yeah. Ford Field. They got a handful. And, and I said this to you earlier, Mike. Uh, it's funny that the, uh, the, you know, the kneecaps, the, the famous kneecaps press conference that Dan Campbell gave when he took the job. That's their mentality, but that's not necessarily their team. They don't really play like that. They're kind of like a, uh, an explosive offensive team. They don't play. They're not like a ground and pound. Oh, you know, just kind of black and blue division, old school NFC Central. They are they are a hybrid. They've got some Detroit in them, but they also got some flash. They got some Hollywood in them too on offense, and then mm. defensively, yeah, they're a little a little spotty on defense at times. But it all works. You put it all together, yeah. it works. They're a dangerous team, I, and and I, I, I'm glad that they are our official team. They're dangerous. I'll get to that in a second, but I do want to I do want to say like so. Um, I went to their training camp last year. This is when the Hard Knocks cameras were there. So there was Hard Knocks, and I visited, visited them in camp. I felt the energy, you know, sometimes, and it's not always right. Sometimes you're wrong about it, but I felt like there was something there. They, they were on to something going into, going into the second year. And we know how they finished last year. And we know how they met the moment and met expectations, starting with the opening game this year. They were on the road at Kansas City. 
have defending champion Kansas City and announced their presence with authority to start this season. So conversely, when you talk about having a weight with the Cowboys, we talked about that earlier, and like they're, they're crumbling under the weight of expectations once they get to the playoffs. The Lions had the weight of generations of an entire city on their shoulders yesterday and came through. The city of Detroit and all it's been through, the way it's viewed, the way it's talked about, they have that collective biting kneecaps, we don't care if you got one ass cheek and two toes mentality to them. And they deserve this so much. Like going back to the theme of this, this whole conversation today about fans, like, so there's the tortured existence of Cowboys fans, but then there's the promised land or the other side of what it's been to be a Lions fan and the jubilation and the joy and the euphoria that they're feeling today, not just about this one playoff win for the first time in three decades, but because similar to the Packers, this organization has been known for people leaving and yet mm. it now has staying power. They've been known for people leaving and now yep. they're staying power. There was just a documentary done on Amazon about Barry Sanders who walked away because he had, had enough. Calvin Johnson walked away because he had had enough. Matthew Stafford wanted had, had enough and wanted better. It was time for a change. It was never going to happen here. Everybody in Detroit has always operated from a place of it's not happening here. This team will never get out of its own way. Now they're on their way. And I look at, now, in the interest of transparency, because I was trying to figure this out. They've always been the official team of brother from another. But at what point did we declare, because yeah. you know, we've, we've been on this Philadelphia, San Francisco thing since last season. Yeah. But at one yeah, point, yeah, yeah. you and I, I don't remember what show it was, and you know, we don't archive these things. I don't know which, there was some show where we said, like, you know what? We, should, we both shifted in our pick. It's Detroit. We said, you know what? Forget it. It's, it's Detroit. It was, I, remember, I remember that conversation. We said this. Late it September, early Detroit. October, I, I'm guessing. September, October, okay, so, somewhere in there. So it, was, so it was before the Ravens beat the crap out of them then. But even at some, but at some point in the season, I don't know if it was the loss to Green Bay or the loss to the Bears. I don't know when it was. And it's funny how things even out, by the way. Side note. They get robbed against the Cowboys or whether they did too much, however you choose to look at it. Now they got the home field game in round two anyway because the Cowboys lost. So the universe just, it all evens out. But anyway, even I don't know out. when it was, but at some point um, it felt like, you know, it, it, it looked shaky on the, for the Lions. Like, oh, are the Lions everything that we said they could be? And yet here they are, here they are on the doorstep of the conference championship game because they get the four or five winner at the crib. So if you thought that place was electric Sunday night, oh my God, against if your Eagles survive Tampa, which I don't think they will, if your Ooh, Eagles really? survive Tampa, I like them against Ooh. the Eagles, I like them against the Bucks. Then, then just to get, let's get way ahead of ourselves here. Let's if go, in the let's go. Championship game, they either have a conference championship game at home against a team that they know well in Green Bay, which would be crazy, or, a Lions-Packers NFC title game, or they go to San Francisco. 
and what they have that I don't believe the Cowboys ever had. You know, we talked about this the last two previous years. The Cowboys never had. The Eagles think they have. We saw it differently in the regular season when, when, the, when, the, when the 49ers were, were, were whole. The Ravens definitely have, and that's the ability to look the bully in the eye and like, like Craig and Friday hit Debo with a brick. Like the Lions will not be out muscled by the 49ers. The 49ers may out scheme them. The 49ers may beat that vulnerable secondary. Ooh. But the Amen. Lions will not be out muscled or they will not be intimidated by anybody. Oh, this is what I want to say. Sorry. I, I, I mean, I've gone all this time without acknowledging, without, without taking accountability. Sorry. So this team was always our team because we saw the vision. Right. This year at some point we said they're the team to beat in the NFC. We waffled on that. We got on our 49ers Eagles thing. But last week I sat here because I, I look, I'm, I'm always, I'm going to tell you when I'm right. You know I'm going to tell you when I'm right. I'm going to tell you when I'm wrong. Last week we sat here and I was more talking about the fans than the actual team. But I said, Matthew Stafford was their worst nightmare. Seeing Matthew Stafford, the way he's been playing this year, coming back to Ford Field against a vulnerable secondary, wouldn't it be so Detroit? I said something to that effect. Wouldn't it be so Detroit for Matthew Stafford to send them home? And I picked the Rams to win. That was me, and I, and I love your feed item about Detroit changing the narrative. That was me succumbing to the Lions' reputation. Even though you and I saw the vision, even though they're, they're officially the brother from another team, they're brother, the official team of brother from another, even though we've been on them all season, like many have, I still found myself succumbing to the notion of, you know, uh, Murphy's Law when it comes to the Detroit Lions, you know? Um, and I'm glad I was wrong. I say all that to yeah. say, I'm glad I was wrong. I'm, I've, I've never been happier to be wrong than I was watching Jared Goff taking a knee last night. There's so many good stories. You said it was the stories. It's just the stories. There's so many of them left in the playoffs. I mean, Detroit is a good Detroit, the team, Detroit, the city, the Lions, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Laporta, like every there's so many stories. Detroit's good story. The Rams are a good story. Starting off three and six, finishing uh, ten and seven in the regular season. And Sean McVay saying after the game, "I got my way back. I got my compass back. This team showed me how much mm -hmm. I love this game." And then the Packers and the Cowboys. I mean, the Texans. I mean, there's so oh, we gonna get to them. Many. Wait, we gonna get to them. I know. We gonna get to them. There's so many yeah. stories. And I, I, it's funny that you say stories because I didn't I didn't address this off the top. Hmm. You did a great job of saying how we came up in a time where you weren't you weren't a fan. You weren't just openly a fan of a team. Quite honestly, mm -hmm. that's why I ride for Ohio State so much because mm -hmm. I was covering mm -hmm. at a young age. College I was, was okay. Yeah. Pro sports. <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah. was covering pro yeah. sports. Yeah. Yeah, but college, I could hold on to like I could hold on to some fandom, yeah. and that was Ohio That's, that State. was always okay. You said that was always that was okay. If you either from there or if you attended that school, and, 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 and right. the case may be, that was that was a lot. We yes. good. That was we a lot. good. Yeah. We good with that. But Syracuse, Northwestern, 
Missouri. You said there was no journalism factories. Yeah, you said there was no cheering in the press box. Well, now Mm -hmm. ain't a lot of people in the press box. You got a lot of people who ain't even seen the press box. It's about cheering in the press box. They don't know their way to the press box. So it's just a different story altogether. And and we can't lose sight of that because I, yeah. I I do like how the business has opened up, has opened opened itself up to many people who didn't have access to it before. But we should never lose sight of what you said off the type off the top. This is really about relationships. This is about stories. It's about storytelling. And if we lose that, we've kind of lost our way uh, of why we're in this thing. So you brought him up. The Texans. Again, another fan base that they deserve this after after what they've been through. So <laughs> I remember I had a, a television executive, a prominent television executive. Mm. We were talking about the Texans. Um, we were talking about, uh, 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 I forgot what the subject was, why the Texans came up. But in a dismissive way, the executive said, uh, nobody cares about the Texans. And this is when they were winning uh, under O'Brien. They're the, they're, the, they're the Saturday wild card game. As in, like, they're the team that, you know, that, 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 play, that goes first on Saturday, the less marquee team. Sure enough, they went first on Saturday, probably for the last time in a, in a long time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just given what D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud and Nick Casario, what they're constructing there. That organization... Has, has been through hell and back. That community has been through hell and back. Some of it's self-inflicted on the part of the organization, but, you know, if, we, if we're being completely honest, but, like, you think about it. They get, much like the city of Cleveland, they get the, they get the Oilers taken from them. Okay, the Oilers move to, to, to Tennessee to move to, Na- move to Nashville. They get the Texans back. They struggle, they struggle, they struggle. They eventually start to be competitive. They have a little run there where they went in the division, but they don't really do anything in the playoffs. And then it all comes crashing down, whether it's trading DeAndre Hopkins, whether it's Deshaun Watson first no longer wanting to play there. And then all the, you know, his situation with the sexual misconduct and sexual assault allegations and his subsequent trade to the Browns. Um, I, the, deserving doesn't begin to illustrate just how Texans fans and that fan base should feel right now. And it was so much fun for me to be there and for me to, 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 to feel that energy at NRG, uh, for me to be there and see, because, I mean, like, and Houston has a, a place near and dear to my heart. Again, growing up in New Orleans, Houston's a sister city. You know, I got family in Houston. You know, my dad's side of the family is from Beaumont. So I've always had an affection for that community and that fan base. And they've just been through so much crap and been cracked mm. on so much and seen as irrelevant to where not only are they a great story, like we've been talking about, not only do they have a great foundation, they got a superstar at quarterback. Oh, yes, they do. A yes, they do. Hey, 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 man, let me ask you, let me, let me interrupt you, though. Let me interrupt you for a second. No, no, it's, you did a great job. no interruption. It's all you. No, 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 because no, I'm coming back to you. Get ready, get ready. Coming back to you. Because uh, I saw I saw the reporting you were able to do. Got a, he had a great interview uh, aired on NBC. A great interview with Joe Flacco before the game. 
So really enjoyed that. Saw your sideline. Hey, hey back you. to you guys. Thank back you. to you. You know, doing that thing uh, on site. Thank so you. since you were there, mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to do a, a, a Don Squar, our former boss of the mm-hmm. Boston Globe. Great sports editor for both of us. Don Squar, I'm saying, okay, give me a nugget. Give me a, give me a scene. What did you see? Take me there so we can, me and others, so we can hear it, so we can smell it, so we can see it. What did you see? Mm, I know you saw something. I know I'm putting mm, you on the spot, on the spot. but maybe it, maybe it was something That's during something the game. Maybe it was, see. maybe it was CJ, uh, CJ Stroud, just uh, being unflappable. Uh, maybe it was D'Amico Ryan's and how everybody connects Something to him. I maybe it's the fans. Say. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you heard from the fans and just like their excitement level. But because I, I, I just know watching it, I was excited for them. Just what you said, like that. That's a home game for them, and they're not only are they playing a game, a playoff game at home with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. They're playing against the Browns, the team that they traded Deshaun Watson to. Deshaun Watson is not there on the field for it, uh, in, in uniform mm. for it. So they're supposedly setting up, oh, look at the poor Texans. They got to move on from Deshaun Watson. They set up Cleveland with a great franchise quarterback, and they got a long way to go. And now, you just look at it, if you're being factual, the Houston Texans are further ahead. They've, they have leapfrogged. The Cleveland Browns, they beat them on the field. They're further along as an organization than the Browns. Okay. Are. But what did you see? This is this isn't this isn't like, you know, sources or nothing like that. I'm just can I name drop? Because it was cool, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, name name drop? Drop? That's right. even better. Right. Hey, what's so that, that's that's what you're supposed to do. No, I mean this is more of a fanboy name drop. I can't be a fan, I can't be a fan of this guy, and I'm a fan, and we've become friendly. Um so I was a news I had to I had to get troll burgers. I had to see what all the fuss is about with troll burgers. I had to go visit my boy Bun B spot, you know, like me and Bun B have gotten cool and I had to go down and see what they were talking about when it came to the best burger in America. And when I tell you, it somehow is better than you think it would be given all the attention in the press and how people talk about it and the media coverage around Trill Burgers. I've never had a better burger than Trill Burgers and I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not bullshitting. But anyway, I'm sitting in Trill Burgers. I'm talking to Bun B who's there all the time. And, you know, taking pictures with everybody that comes in and we're talking. And, he, and one of the things he said that, that I thought was interesting was just like how the Texans are now a destination. And at one point, you had a quarterback who wanted no part of that organization. There was a toxicity within, within the building. And now, not only do you bring back a D'Amico Ryans, but you add a C.J. Stroud and... That, that just that community, that culture, everything that Houston has to offer. Like, who doesn't want to play for the Texans right now? Who wouldn't want to play for that organization right now, given the direction that they're headed? So, not only do they have they, did they nail this draft with, you know, uh, Stroud, Anderson, and, and others, but just at the top, Stroud and Anderson. Not only do they have, you know, a leader of men, as they say in D'Amico Ryan's. But like there's an energy and an excitement mm. around a community that you don't need an excuse to go to Houston. Like, I mean, who don't, who don't love Houston? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think I think that's that's one thing that I would take away. That's not a report per se, but that I would take away yeah. much like we're talking about with the Packers, but, but obviously a bigger market, much like we're talking about with the Lions, but a, a sexier market is just like. Yo, this team has got staying power. Like they're gonna they're gonna be heard from 
for a while. I don't see, and, and, and you already said that you see Stroud becoming the best quarterback in team history very shortly. Yes. yes. And this is in Texans history, just, for, just, for, just to be Texans. clear. We're, not, talk, we're not talking about Houston professional football. Hey, that's number one. Watch out, Warren. Warren. That's Warren Moon. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. But we're talking about the Texans. This guy's different than Deshaun. You know, he, he seems to move differently than Deshaun does. Um, and I don't mean that as any, a disrespect or a criticism of Deshaun. I'm saying he's just different. And so I don't see, I don't see this being something that implodes in a handful of years the way it did with Deshaun Watson in that relationship. That relationship went from like, oh, you know, this guy is going to be a superstar for a long time and they're in the playoffs regularly to, to a contract extension to get me out of here as soon as possible. And that was before the shit really hit the fan. I don't see that happening. I don't foresee that happening with this head coach, this quarterback, this infrastructure. Like there were rumors about Nick Casario that he shot down. He was like, I ain't going nowhere. He got and mad. Why would he? He got mad why, about it why too. Why would he? Why would he? Why would he have come through this fire? And and listen, man. And okay, we talk about taking accountability, bro. We gave the Texans organization all the smoke, all the smoke, for the way they handled David Cully. And Lovey Smith, Lovey Smith, and what we and, said at the time, and, and Deshaun I'll, Watson, I'll still and Deshaun Watson it. at times, early on from a football standpoint, yes, yeah, or, or but, from a football not, standpoint, but not, yeah. but not pulling the trigger, but even not pulling the trigger, you know, earlier, yes, we 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 did. I'm not sitting up here acting like we didn't have criticism for them, but like, and what we said at the time, I will still stand on that, but where they are now, can can I deny what they've done with that organization? That community is on fire. It, and listen, they got one of them ones. They may not be one win and done. I'd be damned if I write off the, the Texans in this conference. I mean, you, you hey, know what, man? Hey, hey, hey how, how, anything could happen. You know what I'll do with that cornerback? Hey, hey, it's 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 very rare that we're able to. Uh, Pull in Cat Williams and apply it to the Cat uh, uh, Williams words to the NFL, but in that that great Cat Williams interview, remember one of the things he said? It's just kind of like a side thing. Like it's not, it wasn't as sexy as some of the other stuff he was talking about calling people out. But one of the things he said about going on tour. Do you remember this? So when I go to a city, I mm. really go in. He said, I go yeah. to the strip clubs, you know, what I, mean? <laughs> like, I go to these or, different places so or, I can or that's how he pays. That's how he pays tithes. Like he gives that's money it. back to the community. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's how I pay. I, I love that line. That's how I pay my tithes, you know, in that city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. there's some truth in that in that I will apply what Cap Williams said about going to a different city to some of these organizations that we've talked about. D'Amico Ryan's played for the Texans, but he wasn't just a guy who played for the Texans and that's on his resume. He understands the organization. He understands the city. And then I think that's just infectious. I think that hits the rest of the team. Dan Campbell is not from Detroit and neither is Brad Holmes. They understand the city and then they Mm -hmm. gave the city uh, and the franchise what it needed. I think there's something to be said for that. For these, there's some... uh, a franchise openings there right now. And I know there's some big names that owners and GMs and fans are clamoring for. I would suggest the one thing you should be hoping for and looking for mm. is not just a big name, but that person 
who understands your city, who understands what your franchise needs and is passionate about delivering that. And I think we've seen that this wild card weekend. And if you're looking for, if you've got an opening, I think that's the number one thing you should be looking for. Who understands the assignment and who can execute it? <laughs> All right. So look, we got to wrap up here soon. Oh, yeah. Um, I, Where does time I would, go? I would, Where does it go? I would, I would bring up the Dolphins, but probably not worth it. Probably not worth spending the nope. time on them. <laughs> Sorry, we ain't got time for them. Because they're, they're, they're a fun, fine, fall Florida team. They ain't built for February. That's all I got to say. That's your summer that. fling. Hey, hey, listen, the Dolphins are That's your it. summer fling. That ain't marriage material. That's summer fling. The summer fling stuff, move on. Pretty, pretty fitting for Miami, right? <laughs> I, I, I hope I didn't insult everybody in Miami, but that's kind of, you know, I was like, oh, right. we, we kicked it in Miami, you know. Anyway, um, the last fan base I want to talk about with the time we got left. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Is a Chicago Bulls fan base. I am still hurt. I'm hurt. I don't I never knew Jerry Krause. I certainly never knew his late wife or know his late wife. Like I cannot believe that Mm. people like we've seen people boo players or excuse me cheer when players get hurt. I thought that yeah. was the most classless thing I'd ever seen a fan, a, 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 a segment of the fan base do, or, or a section of, of, of a fan base do, is cheer when a player gets hurt. That's a no-no. Most, you know, civilized people know that that's a no-no. Booing a dead man is a new low in the annals of fan misbehavior. Not only because he's dead, but because you are probably a Bulls fan to begin with because of what Jerry Krause did. I mean, unreal. in the ring of honor. And I don't know, is this a last dance thing? And so did the last dance have the last word when it comes to vilifying him for breaking up the Bulls dynasty? Because, like, they don't win... 
the, the quote that he is that is applied to him, the infamous quote that's applied to the late Jerry Krause, that players don't win uh, championships, organizations do. Organizations do, right. There is some truth to it. Like, as great as Michael Jordan was, as great as Scottie Pippen was, it's like, well, first of all, di- didn't he trade for Scottie Pippen? He didn't draft Michael Jordan, but didn't he trade for Scottie Pippen? Am I, am I right about that? Didn't Jerry Krause right. acquire Scottie Pippen? Okay. He did. He did. Right. The, pre- drafted, the previous regime drafted, drafted Jordan. Olden he, Polonese and then yes. traded him to Seattle for Scottie Pippen. Yes. yes. Okay. He acquired Dennis Rodman. Like, yes. That, like, his fingerprints are all over that organization. So to call yourself a fan of the Bulls and boo Jerry Krause, like, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You, but, but, but I'm assuming that those people have no shame to begin with. So. I, I just yeah, I, I mean, I'm still I'm yeah. still I'm still shaking up by that. I'm shaking up, you know. Yeah, I mean, and not only Scott Scotty Pippen, Mike, uh, Scotty Pippen, B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant, you know, making yeah. deals that that didn't make sense at the time. That didn't make sense at the time. Brought in Steve Kerr, you know, uh, brought in uh, Stacy King, who did, you saw the quote there. One of the worst things I've ever seen or ever heard. And, and and his widow is there, you know, to deal with that. Uh, no, it really Just is. Be quiet. It really is. Uh, Just be quiet. Don't say anything. It's and disgusting. He, he, like, he's dead. And you know what? I'm gonna, and I'm going to read this. Emphasis Can I read peace. something? I, I'm going to yeah. read something. And not MLK? just for the Bulls. MLK. Is this MLK? It's not just for the Bulls. It's for all of us. This is MLK. <laughs> without love. Yes, without love. There is no reason to know anyone for love will in the end connect us to our neighbors, our children and our hearts. It's all about love. That's what the prophet said. That's what we should all be thinking about. That's what this holiday is for. It's not about politics. It's not about anything else, but love the love and the sacrifice and the vision and the commitment of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.